0: Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. This is Tim Staples of Catholic Answers. I'm excited to let you know that I also teach high school apologetics for homeschoolconnections.com. An online Catholic curriculum provider, there are also recorded independent learning courses at homeschoolconnections.com. Whether you take apologetics with me, literature with Joseph Pierce, or philosophy with Bill Donahue, or any of the other 400 plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, it's a great way to get Catholic learning for your family.
1: The book of Psalms, simply Psalm number two, which uh, comprises an introduction together with Psalm one of the entire book of Psalms known as the Psalter. Last time we looked at um, the whole idea that we live in a world that is constantly trying to rebel against God. Now, the God of the Bible is a God of goodness, He's a God of kindness, He's a God of perfection, He's a God of holiness. And he's the the supreme creator, and yet he deigned to make a covenant with this one people and through them to the whole nations of the world, so through Israel to the world, to the Gentiles. And ever since then, there's been people rebelling against the yoke, you know, like kicking against the bonds, trying to burst the bonds of the law of God and of his great care for his creature apart so that they might, quote, undo, do their own thing. Mm, Yeah. And I think where it says, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? So another verse, another translation would be murmur, or why do the peoples count their armies so that they might come against God? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. Last time we spoke about how the Lord Here is a translation of the Hebrew Adonai, which means the Lord, and his anointed, which in Hebrew is Mashiach. It's what we derive our word Messiah from. So that when we talk about Jesus Christ, we're not talking about Jesus' first name, Christ, the last name. We're talking about how Christ is the title, Jesus, the anointed one. And the Anointed One it resounds all throughout the Scriptures, right? Because the priests were be were anointed, literally anointed. We think of anointed by a little dab with your thumb, like the bishop does at confirmation. But in the old days, when they anointed a priest or a king, they took a bowl of oil and they would pour it over okay. their heads. Yes that mm-hmm. it would run all over the place. There's actually a psalm that talks about how good and beautiful it is when brothers dwell together. It is like oil running down the beard of Aaron. They're going back to Aaron's consecration when he had a whole bowl of oil dumped on his head to signify the, uh, the abundance of the anointing, right? And we too, as priests, prophets, and kings have been baptized into that anointing as well. So actually when, when the psalm speaks about The anointed, he's speaking about Jesus, but then he's speaking about the little anointed ones who are us. We have been anointed. We have been blessed. We have been brought into kinship with the Lord of the universe. And yet all that we see today in the media, in entertainment, in academia, in political philosophy is a constant bursting of the bonds, Right. A constant kicking against the law of God, a, a, a constant complaint that somehow God's law ties us down. That somehow God's law prevents us from seeing, quote, the whole truth. That somehow by com- complying with God and with the law and the scriptures that he has set down and by being faithful members of the church that he established, somehow we are less Somehow we are being prevented from being all that we can be, you know, that kind of thing. I'm trying to bring parallels to how the world thinks about God today and how uh, the people who are the subject of the psalm in the 10th century B.C. were being perceived. They were conspiring. They were setting themselves against God, and they were saying things like, let us burst the bonds asunder. Let us uh, rip the bonds and cast their cords, so it, it, any obligation to God is seen as being bound up, tied up with rope, right? Instead of the
0: freedom that it really provides for us if we're aligned with God, because all He wants is is what is best for us, for us to be united with Him. It's it's completely backwards.
1: That's and right.
0: Unfortunately, we we live in a world where it's complete denial of the providence, the grace, the love. However you want to describe um, God um, being taken out of the uh, out of our everyday lives. And if we if we should rely on that, then we're considered weak.
1: And and I say foolish because people look at you like you have two heads. Yeah, the minute you speak about your faith or you 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 try to act in a a certain faithful way, uh, it is becoming harder and harder to do that without Drawing attention, and usually that attention is a mocking kind of attention, or perhaps even um, uh, uh, an evil attention. You know, an attention that that seeks to limit us in our in our religious expression. We've talked about the world. You know, we talked about what it implies. The nations conspire. I mean, just look at great big government. Look at um, the so-called sophisticated gatherings of people who, uh, of uh, you know, I, I'm thinking about the the reunions of people in the World Economic Summit, the um, the various groups of people who kind of meet uh, across national lines because they're all like billionaires or they all have... Um, Davos, the meetings Davos. at Davos. Right. The, or they all have like a certain interest in technology or they all have... A certain, you know, financial investment, and therefore they get together and talk about the rest of us like they know what they need to do, right? And most of the time, those guys are not, let's just say, they're not, their minds are not open to the truth, to the real truth, right? To the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus, They only see a freedom that is in the here and now, and they only see uh, man-made solutions for man-made problems. When he said everybody knows that the only solution to man-made problems is a divine solution, and his name is Jesus, right? right. And that's not just the government. That's not not just the fat cats meeting in Davos or somewhere else. Um, that's also, unfortunately, in religious, in religious places as well. We've had... Um, You know, we we can see in our own church today in 2021, uh, a dissent, you know, just flat out uh, schism almost. You know, look at what the German bishops are doing and the Dutch bishops and the Belgian bishops. Uh, Those conferences are a hairbreadths away from from dividing or perhaps breaking off from the Church of Rome because they think that they know better than the magisterium. And or they know better than any established truth, um, which means it's truth that has been established in the past, but it is still good for the present. You know, what they're doing is they're thinking that somehow because we live in 2021, we have a much better grasp on what the gospel means than the people who wrote the gospel or even the people who unpack the gospel with the big, huge brains like Thomas Aquinas and Augustine. Somehow. You know those different bishops' conferences through their um, solidarity or whatever they call it. Uh, somehow they know better. You know, and the the needs of uh, German Catholics and Belgian Catholics and Dutch Catholics, etc., are only going to be served by departing from the teaching magisterium of the Church. Now, you know, when I put it that way, obviously it sounds what absurd. But that too, I think, is another way in which. They burst their bonds asunder and cast their cords. They're trying to cast away the cords that are not convenient, the cords of doctrine that are not convenient, right? John Paul II, even before he was Pope, actually, this is Paul VI, he talked about the church today, and he said that he had a sense, quote, that from some fissure, the smoke of Satan has entered the temple of God. There is doubt, incertitude, problematic, disquiet, dissatisfaction, and confrontation. There is no longer trust in the church. They trust the first profane prophet who speaks in some journal or some social movement, and they run after him and ask him if he has the formula of true life. That's Paul VI, blessed Pope Paul VI in 1972. But guess what? Who has the formula of true life? We already know who has the formula of true life. Who said he was the way, the truth, and the life? And he Jesus. has a name, right? It's Jesus, right? We have it in the Scripture,
0: we have it in the tradition, we have it in the magisterium of the Church. And these people in positions of authority in the Church, mm-hmm. who want to rewrite this, are taking people down the wrong path.
1: That's right, and it's it's kind of it's kind of it's a little scary i think for some of us but you know what because i know lots of people who's had you know their hairs on fire because of what they perceive to be happening within the church and outside the church but in the end i think the best solution the best solution is what god does verse 4 he who sits in the heavens
0: laughs
1: laughs, <laughs> he who sits in the heavens laughs so it's like it's, it's like this benign father who's chuckling at the antics of their children right he who sits in the heavens laughs the lord has them in derision the lord has them in derision yeah you know that's obviously projecting human um feelings and everything onto uh, the all-powerful god but you can definitely see how this is a very ironic situation then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury saying, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. And then this, we go into the um, the messianic prediction. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. This is verse seven. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth, your possession you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. That's pretty strong language, right? And that's yeah. kind of describes the rule of Jesus. The, he who sits on the throne, the, the Hebrew word is enthroned. The enthroned one in heaven. So not, you know, we know that heaven's not a place, right? We know that heaven is a state of being and that anytime you are with God, In, you know, in a close, intimate way, you are in heaven. And then eventually that is our goal. God sees all, even when we feel alone. The heavenly king laughs again, like there's God laughing in a couple more times in the Psalms. The picture is one of a father marveling at the creative rebellion of his teenagers. (laughs) You know, I mean, he still loves those who rebel. Whereas we would just say like, what? What? Excuse us, you know. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. So this is from God, from Yahweh, to the anointed king of the line of David. Because remember, the kings were anointed. But this is also, like I said before, a foreshadowing of the coming of the anointed one, Jesus, who is also the son of God. Right. So what is the solution to the problem created in the first three verses where the nations conspire and they want to burst their bonds asunder? Well, it's God laughing in heaven saying, hey, I've already set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I already have an anointed. I've already have him lined up and you are not him. You governments are not him. You princes of the church who are in rebellion are not him. You professors and seminaries who think you're so important, uh, even when you speak heresy, you're not him either. And that's, I think, a very, very good point for all of us to keep in mind. Therefore, O Kings, this is verse 10, be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and with trembling, kiss his feet, lest he be angry and you... Per-. So basically, he says, what, and just knuckle down, right? And... Right. and come into a right relationship with the Lord. There's an intimate relationship of love and trust between God and the anointed. The Holy Met in Jerusalem, which is mentioned here, is also considered the center of the world by the psalmist. So the one who's speaking now, uh, at the end in verse seven, is the king. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, so God told the king, you are my father. But remember, where else does the Father speak about the Son in the Gospels? Remember, in the baptism and the transfiguration, what did he say? This is my, my beloved Son. Listen to him. In Acts 4, he does the same. In Revelation 12, he does the same. So God is the Father <clears throat> to every son of David and on Zion. Universal dominion is what is portrayed in verses eight through nine. You know, as moderns, we think we see you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Doesn't mean much to us because we have Tupperware containers, don't we? I mean, we've got <laughs> we live in a different universe, right? When we a have rod, up, <laughs> very, But really, verse eight refers to the rod that was an implement of kingship like a scepter. Right. It was something that the king held in his hand to show sovereignty. And so when he uses the rod of iron to smash things, it's used like a war hammer or like a mace. That's the picture. It is already belongs to the son of God. Already, God has given the son, the anointed one, the authority to use the scepter as a hammer if he has to. That's what Jesus says when it means when He says in Matthew twenty eight eighteen, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So that's you know so what speaking from authority. What is the upshot of all this? I mean, how should we read something like that? God is in charge. We should not get too upset. <clears throat> it is up to us to go and evangelize and and pray with people and love them and extend grace and mercy. But in the end, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to the king, to the anointed one. And so what is, our, um, what is our response? Verses 11 through 12. Serve the Lord with fear and reverence, which is kiss the son, trembling, kiss the son. Serve the Lord with fear and reverence and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son instead of rejoice or he will be angry in your way will lead to destruction. This is a different translation. And this is the NAB. And your way will lead to destruction, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So you have this this very un-American concept, fear, fear of God, somehow fear of the messianic wrath, right? But really, um, what do we know about fear of the Lord? We know that fear of the Lord is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit because it gives us a healthy relationship with God, right? And what is a healthy relationship with God? Knowing who God is and who we are. We're God and we're not, right? (laughs) Right. And and that's the the kind of fear that we should have. Um, I mean, obviously if we're out there and we represent a nation and we're tying uh, humanitarian aid to abortion, uh, then we should fear the messianic wrath, you know. I mean, this refers obviously to governmental institutions, quasi-governmental institutions, uh, institutions like the, the United Nations, institutions like financial um, concerns and, and groups, etc. All the ones that kind of want to break the law of God under the guise of humanitarian aid. And that happens a lot, right? And, it is. and social justice, couching
0: everything in social justice.
1: Well, I mean, social justice is very important because of so course, yeah, the main if, concerns if of it's the God.
0: perceived in the correct way. Mm-hmm.
1: Without losing sight of the concept that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, serve the Lord with fear. With, cre- with trembling kisses feet, that's one translation. Kiss the sun is another translation, which, you know, kiss the feet of Jesus. Hey, that's always a good solution. Lest he be angry and you perish in the in the, in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. And then there's a typical wisdom, a conclusion. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. And <clears throat> So what does that mean? To order your life uh, towards the truth of God. To order your life towards the truths of the gospel, to order your life in, the, in a fact that you are going to trust God for all his provision and not trust the world. How does that look like to you, do you think, Mary Lou? That, I mean, that is it. It is
0: trust. That's what we have to do. And we have to do it each and every day and start over each and every day, trusting in his providence, in his will, in his perfect love for us. If we could just embrace that, we would we would be so spectacular in being able to share the message to others because we'll just be radiating it. Mm-hmm. And people say, I want that. How, how how are you living in this world with such joy? Because I have the
1: Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that's in the end, that's the solution, I think, for, for all things. Just remember, brothers and sisters, that when you read Psalm 2, it's the Lord reassuring His people that the nations will not prevail, that in a certain way, I think First Peter says that if God delays, it's because he wishes all to be saved. It's not because he doesn't know what's going on or because he had an appointment run late or because he went fishing. It's not because he doesn't care. It's because he wants all to be saved. Remember, the main point is this. There are no human enemies. The enemy of our souls is the spiritual force of evil, Evil. of the fallen spirits. The evil ones, the evil spirits, Satan and his minions, those are the true enemies. There is no human being that that needs to be um, our enemy. Even if they do declare themselves enemy of us or enemy of the church or enemies of God, We need to represent the mercy and grace that is extended by the Father, even when we are confronted with uh, the kind of scenario that we see in Psalm 2. Thank you for joining us.